I'm Billy Buttery, and this is Foodist Culture, a podcast. I think this every week, but I'm very excited for this week's episode. Today's guest is an event designer to the stars. She has planned and produced events for Drake, Victoria Beckham, The Weeknd, Branchester's Louis Vuitton, and Instagram headquarters. She hails from Toronto and as such has planned some amazing events for Toronto's elite and noteworthy. Now based out of LA, the wonderful Melissa Andre sits down with me virtually, of course, and we talk all things party and party food. If you're planning an event or have a wedding coming up, this is a must listen. Melissa Andre is an event designer, product developer, and entertaining expert. We met about two decades ago and instantly fell in love. Our bond over Betsy Johnson party dresses and our love of wonderful parties. At the time, the wheels were in motion for her starting her own event company, and I was happy to assist her in any way I could. Since those early days, she has grown into the word on noteworthy events. She has been featured in publications such as Forbes and Vogue, and now even teaches. She is a wealth of knowledge and fountain of creativity. Often she'll explain an event detail she'd love to see, she'll execute it for a client, and in a couple years it will become commonplace at events and all over Pinterest. Besides me working alongside her for many years, many years ago, her and I share many food memories. We don't get into them, but early on she loved my cooking. If I'm being honest, she probably helped plant the seed for me eventually going to culinary school for baking arts. We share a love of fashion, events, food, and the arts. She gives away some amazing tidbits in this episode, and I hope you'll enjoy. A couple notes about this episode. My full name is Billy Joe. <laughs> a name only her and about three other people, my mom included, call me. There are also some slight audio issues on my end. I do apologize. Not sure what happened, but there is some great content in here, and I hope you won't find it too distracting. Enjoy. Hello, Melissa. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm back in LA, and I'm excited to be doing this because I've listened to all of your episodes. So I feel like like I did my homework and then I'm, I was listening to them already, but I feel like I kind of, I know your vibe as a podcaster. So yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. I mean, obviously I've been a Melissa Andre fan for some time, some decades now. <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm more of a Billy Joe fan. Like then she is a Melissa Andre. She has to be like a default one because we've been friends for so long. But like, if anyone knows anything about me, which I'm not sure if anyone does, but for years when I started my company before I could trust a single soul to work for me, I begged and pleaded <laughs> Billy Joe to like, basically she was the only person in the universe that like I trusted to be like my eyes and ears. And I was like starting out and I'm like, I need you to like, you know, I just had her do so many things with me at the time when we were first starting um, before I could trust. I don't even know if I've evolved since then. Like, I feel like <laughs> if you were available, I would still be doing that. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, I mean, if you ever need me, you know, I'm only a flight away from LA. I'm happy to. <laughs> having to drop everything and come to LA for a few days. <laughs> oh my God, this is great. This is good. This is really working in my favor. So amazing. Far. Well, I'm so excited <laughs> to have you here. Obviously, um, I've wanted to have you on the podcast since the beginning and I was just waiting until the time was time was right. And I'm excited for the little bit of a twist we're going to do today. Yeah, me too. So typically I ask um, what someone's cultural background is, but since we're sort of focusing in on what you do, um, I want to talk about that. But I think it's a huge, huge oversight simplification, especially knowing what you do and um, the work that goes into it. How do you define what you do? Well, I think, you know, it, it is, you're right. Like saying like, oh, I produce events is just like so broad and there's so many tiers and levels and styles and in that profession. So 
I kind of, I'm like a creative director and that kind of shows itself in events and products and spaces. We really are known for making things from scratch, which is like, you know, one of those big differentiators uh, for us and what makes our work look the way it does because probably a traditional event planner, they're not necessarily leading the creative like their client would lead the creative and they would, you know, facilitate and curate, um, you know, but we are really unique in that way that basically when our clients come to us, they they don't lead the creative and, and they want something very specifically in my aesthetic and, and look and feel. And then, you know, because those things typically did not exist until I decided that they should, um, we we produce everything in house and install it and, and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I do. Almost like a big art installation or like an interior installation. But then when it comes to events, there's also music and food. So that's kind of like how they all go together. I'm like, it's like a big install, but like there's valet because everyone gets there (laughs) at the same time. So Totally. I love that. And I think that maybe people that are used to, um, you know, booking a venue and choosing food and some flowers, what you do is so different. You truly, I think maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but your ideal space is a vast open field or a big warehouse with, you know, nothing in it so that you can produce everything truly from the ground up. Yeah. I mean, I would love an open field that had electricity. That would be my <laughs> my number one. So yeah. I tend to, even though in my heart, yes, that is my ideal um, venue. In reality, I, I love to have um, electricity and I love to have roads. Like we did um, a major, major wedding for a celebrity and he owned a forest. Okay. And we, I was like, yes, this is great. We're, you know, it'll be a one-off. We're going to do this wedding in this forest. And then, you know, there was no roads and there's like, no, you know, we really had to like build a road into there. And like, you know, we had to put down a subfloor and of course, like build a kitchen and bathrooms that, you know, have mm-hmm. AC and all that stuff. But I, Honestly, I spent months just getting like the permitting and figuring out how to make an actual road. And we had to like move trees and and make sure like, you know, there was this one little lizard somewhere in that forest that we had to make sure was not harmed. Um, So I I do all, all kinds of things. But yeah, the more open, the better. (laughs) Amazing. Well, and to focus on food, um, how important do you think food is in events? Well, you know, regardless of the fact that people kind of come to me primarily for the design, when I ask them, they're kind of like most important aspects. Every single time they say food. I think that events and especially private events like weddings and and showers and engagements like private events I believe are really about celebrating with like the people that you love and also thanking them for coming to celebrate with you Mm -hmm. and you know for that reason it's the most important in a way because people show each other that they love each other you know by like Mm -hmm. making a meal and, and sharing a meal and um Yeah. So it needs to be kind of memorable, but of course what makes events so unique is that you're not feeding two people, you're feeding 500 people. Mm -hmm. 
And do you find, so speaking with couples coming to you and specifically maybe for weddings, do people come to you and say, okay, this is our cultural background. This is the food that we want. Or is it you sort of pulling out those, you know, their favorite dishes and saying, okay, let's serve this to your guests. Yeah, it's a mix. So whereas like in the the design, I, I basically start presenting things to them. Food, I really, really rely on them to tell me, not only what they love, but what they think their guests are going to love. That's like my number one kind of focus when it comes to food is making sure that every guest loves their experience because I have no doubt they're going to love what the room looks like, but I don't know their guests well enough to know what they're going to love to eat and drink and even timing sometimes. So when we do an event, the number, it, it's so important, like what people's cultural background is, because that so often informs what they like to eat. And like, if you think of a wedding, it's almost so many, it's so many family and friends. So that's such a commonality, you know, is that people are Italian or they're French or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they are. And, and each person, each family like has their own kind of traditions around food. Every culture has traditions around around food, especially when it comes to weddings. Mm-hmm. Is there um, a certain culture that you that sort of stands out where the food had to be prepared in sort of like a special or religious sort of way that sort of stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, we do weddings where there may be no alcohol for religious reasons. We do weddings where they, there may be no meat for religious reasons and sometimes for just dietary reasons or cultural reasons. Um, so we've kind of done every every single style of wedding. Sometimes we've done kosher weddings, you know, where there you wouldn't have shellfish, for example, you wouldn't have pork, certain, um, you know, foods can be on the same plate, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, there's a huge kind of spread there. Uh, and then I find that certain, actually every culture is really kind of specific about the exact flavors of their, you know, cuisine. So I had like a, a Greek couple recently and they, when we were looking for a caterer, they were like, no, 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 the caterer has to be Greek. There's no way anyone else is going to get it right. They're not going to get the flavors right. <laughs> You know, I did a wedding in in Dallas recently and they wanted like real soul food and they we brought a chef, you know, that they knew and loved from L.A. and and her and I became friends, Chef KK. And um, we brought her to Dallas and she was in the kitchen, like in the hotel being like, no, this is the flavor profile we want. So as much as, you know, you can say these people want risotto and this family wants, I don't know, this fish and whatever, there's, you know, definitely flavor profiles that people are very specific about. And I... I really leave that with a professional. So whether that means like hiring a chef or even hiring a consultant to come in and work with that chef. um, Yeah. It's something we do really, really often. Well, and that's a really interesting thought. I never even um, sort of considered that, that if you were having your wedding at, let's say like a hotel, which is very specific, obviously the hotel would naturally cater the wedding. You could have someone come in to sort of um, help the chef with the flavors that you wanted. Yeah. um, And I don't know how common it is 
is in general, but <laughs> for my clients, it's really common and I want them to be happy. And I, you know, I want everything to be as close as possible to perfect. And when budgets allow for that, which are at my company, they often do. Um, you know, I, I think it's a great thing to put in place and, and it's a small, small little piece actually of the budget. If you think about it, you know, you might have a consultant work for you for a couple of days and maybe they come, you know, to the kitchen in the hotel the day before, or two days before to help with prep. And, you know, they're in the kitchen on the day, kind of just supervising. It's like one small piece that I think makes a really big difference. Totally. And in events, especially weddings, where I think the biggest takeaway for a lot of people is sort of like the food and the dancing. Um, why not spend that little extra time on, you know, on the food? Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't ask and they don't even consider it. Um, and a lot of venues, I'm not sure if they've ever been asked, actually. I know that when I let venues know that we're going to do that, it's the first time they've ever done it. So I can just imagine that it's <laughs> not very commonly asked, but yeah, we do it a lot. And I, I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah. I love that. Well, and especially if you have, um, if you're from an ethnicity that maybe is not something as where culinary cuisine isn't as mainstream, I think that's a great option for people and for for couples. Yeah, definitely. And, and, it, and it could just be for like one or two items on the menu sometimes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be for every single piece. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think we've seen it. We, you've always kind of actually seen it. I feel like in Italian weddings that, you know, you would let your venue know, okay, my grandma makes these cookies and she's going to make them regardless <laughs> of what you say is on your menu. Like these mm-hmm. are coming in from my grandma, you know, or yeah. people have always had things like that. Sometimes you see like with baklava and, you know, I've heard that many, many times, but, you know, we kind of go a step further yeah, totally. as, you know, per usual and, and, um, you know, do it for the whole menu. And what are your thoughts sort of generally on sit down meals at weddings? I love them because, you know, like I said, I think that for weddings, the main goal of the wedding is to thank all of your guests for being there with you and is to make the whole thing about the guests. I think that is the trick mm-hmm. to a good wedding. And, and I get asked that a lot, like, oh, how can I make my wedding feel like a celebrity wedding? And I think people think that I'm going to like say some sort of like elaborate ceiling installed or like, oh, you need a mirrored floor like I had for this celebrity or something. But that's not it. The the thing that should be everyone's focus when you are having a wedding is, is your guests and them being happy and them feeling like, oh, I'm so happy I came and this is the best celebration ever, you know, and as much as, and as much as that can be like, sure, walking them in and impressing them with some whatever, that's a first impression of the room, but you're really eating for hours and hours and hours. Like, so, yeah. you know, like a wedding is like eating and dancing, essentially, once the ceremony is, uh, is out of the way, it's hours and hours of eating. Yeah. So you really want to think about what your guests want and what is going to, kind of appeal to everyone. And that's why actually choosing a wedding, uh, sorry, a menu for a wedding is a really like a unique skill. And 
it takes experience for sure, but really it takes changing your mindset. Um, you know, when most people go to a wedding tasting, let's say like a couple, they think about what they like. They're like, Oh, I love this dish. I want to see it. I love things spicy. I want to see them like that. Or, or we had our first date at this and this place and we had this, so I want to have it. But I believe (laughs) that you should actually work backwards, you know? So if you have 200 people at your wedding and they are Italian, you should actually start with that and think about them. Think about what what can we prepare for 200 people that's going to, you know, taste great and be able to be presented great and, and kind of work with the room and work with where the kitchen is in the room and how long is it going to take to walk from the kitchen to the table? You know, Mm -hmm. is the meal still going to be hot? We think about things like that. And, um, it's kind of anti or the opposite, I think, of what most people kind of treat their wedding like and to each their own for certain. But that is my approach as I work backwards, you know, because I think if you and your husband or you and your mom and, you know, your family are going to have your favorite meal ever, you can do that any day um, and you can do it for five people and six people in your own house every other day. But your wedding is about those 200 people that have left their homes to celebrate with you Mm -hmm. and what they want to eat and what's going to be prepared in the right way at the right time. Like risotto is like a perfect example of that, Mm -hmm. which by the way, Billy Joe makes really good risotto. Oh, you. She makes really good risotto. Um, So... I don't. Um, I make like good, good coffee. Um, <laughs> you, you order the best risotto. You're so good at ordering. I, I order great risotto. <laughs> but like risotto is something that, you know, you have to really think about if you are having at your wedding, because sometimes when you make risotto in really big batches, you know, the quality can be different. And, you know, there's certain foods that like you really need to have piping hot. And if you have a really large guest count, you might want to stay away from those. Um, do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like we did a wedding recently where we did like salt baked fish and it was like table side. And and the reason we were able to do that is because there was 24 guests, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we, we ordered like the tables to be table side and we had enough chefs on hand to be like actually performing this in real time. If you had a 200 person wedding and you didn't have the right number, you know, number of staff and, and the right materials, then that's not something that I would recommend, even if it was your favorite food ever, because that's just, you know, that's something that needs to happen all at the same time. And, you know, you, you need the service to go along with that. So that that is, you know, one of the biggest things when it comes to to wedding menu designing is thinking about, you know, is that going to be the right temperature? Do I have the right amount of staff? Can this happen at the same time? Mm-hmm. This this wedding we basically that I'm talking about the salt baked, you know, mm-hmm. fish table side, we had one server per person. Amazing. So great, you know, mm-hmm. they really 
they really had the team to be able to do that, but I, that's not common, you know, at some weddings, you may have one server for 10 people or 20 people, you know, and if that is the situation for your wedding, you can a up your service. And if you can't do that, then, you know, you really want to choose a menu that isn't going to be affected by that. That makes total sense. I actually, when you were saying that it flashed on us, it was a smaller wedding. I'd say it was probably about 80 people, but they serve souffles and, you know, Mm -hmm. the poor people that received their souffles near the end of service, they were not souffles anymore. (laughs) Right, right. And you think about like the couple probably had the best intention ever Mm -hmm. being like, oh, we're going to do this like souffle. And then they had a tasting for four people and it was great. But, you know, when you (laughs) you now have... 40, 50, 60, 100, 200 people, it's not the same. And that's why you have to start from the, from the guests and then work backwards rather than kind of starting from yourself and working forward. Do you know what I mean? Totally. I think that makes so much sense. And something that probably a lot of people overlook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just because people don't typically order food for 200 people. Typically don't. They've never done it. Yeah. That makes sense. I want to circle back to, you know, the point of a wedding is to celebrate with your family and friends because I love that. And, you know, truly, I think that weddings are for your family and friends um, more so than even, you know, the couple It's for the couple to say, thank you for coming, you know, thank you for celebrating our love. And I know from your design perspective, you love big, long tables, which I adore. I think that that's such a great family way. And you get to sit with people that you maybe wouldn't necessarily um, sit with at a, you know, at a small little round table. Um, Does that influence your design going into it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like I, if you look at a lot of my, my work, I, whenever I can, I don't even do a head table at all, which is like anti-wedding, like basically so many things that I say, but I don't, I typically don't do a head table and I tip, which is probably the norm. And another norm is to have this like dance floor separating your guests from the couple, which I also try not to do not a hundred percent of the time. Cause sometimes I have couples that like absolutely insist on it but the majority of my couples are like well whatever you think you know you know best and I kind of explain this reasoning to them and if they're hiring us they're usually on the same page with that I would say like 90% or something kind of follow my lead with this which is a big percentage when it comes Mm -hmm. to weddings but you know I think that if you can have one long table or what seems to be one long table. Sometimes you have to have breaks in a table for service staff. And that's like a logistical thing, um, you know, which you of course have to do. And that kind of helps staff clear and make sure that it doesn't take too long to get to you. Like if they have to, to walk around some like massive table and it takes 14 minutes to get to you, then that's not good service either. So sometimes we put like these little micro breaks in them that like a service staff can just kind of inch their way through. Um, but, I love when a couple is sitting with their guests at one big table because it feels like you are all celebrating together. And that is like a feeling that I love to kind of push when it comes to weddings. Totally. Well, it it feels very, um, very regal and it feels more intimate. I think like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It feels really intimate. And this is like not to tell anyone that what they did was like, you know, wrong or anything like that. This is, I'm just talking about our own, uh, you know, Madco weddings, but I think that it's a really updated kind of modern, it feels modern, but also not 
or something, you know what I mean? It feels modern, but it also just feels so lovely and intimate and like, okay, maybe one person is wearing white and not no one else is wearing white, but that's, that's, you know, one of the only things, you know, when you're getting married that day and you should be wearing the right thing, you know, for your ceremony. But other than that, it's like a bunch of family and friends celebrating together at, um, you know, in a big, big room and in a, in a big long table. I love that. How do you feel about buffet weddings? Um, I, I don't even know if we've ever done one. Um, because I love nice service Mm -hmm. and, or, you know, high end service and our clients are, you know, typically want the same thing. And of course, every event, you know, professional has a niche and, you know, an audience that they really service and our audience and and our clientele um, are on the kind of same page as us where, you know, they really expect this like high level of service. I just talked about a wedding where there was like one service staff for every single guest. Mm -hmm. Like that's, you know, how much if their glass was empty or, you know, if they, you know, dropped a napkin that it was replaced in one second um, or like a microsecond. So I think that buffet weddings actually make a lot of sense and some cultures. And I also think that they make sense when there's sometimes like a thousand people, like I've seen weddings where there's like a thousand people and it would just be, imagine a thousand guests and then a thousand extra servers, you know, it would just be way too many people. So I think that buffets are good when they make sense, but you know, mostly our clients like to kind of have a lot of service staff and, and we like that too. We kind of like to provide that really high level of service. And, you know, I love plates and, um, I love formal dining. And I think that so many things are getting so, so casual. You know, I like, I go to work in jeans every day. I go to work in sneakers all the time. It didn't used to be like that. Mm -hmm. Even when I, you know, when I started, so many things are getting really casual and celebrating and weddings and parties, you know, are one of the only things that kind of comes to mind that can be so formal and, you know, you can kind of enjoy all the the lovely things about that formality. And if that is kind of like the formal tableware and formal dinner service and wearing, you know, a formal attire, um, I, I like that. And I think that um, we should celebrate it whenever, whenever we can. It's like, it's nice to switch things up. And Grant, I'm saying that during... COVID. So I don't know when people are going to listen to this, but there's no parties and certainly no formal gowns. But when you can do that, I love it. And that certainly, you know, certainly doesn't lend itself to a buffet. hundred percent. Well, I really liked the sentiment there, you know, weddings and showers and things of these natures have meaning because we give them meaning and because of the ritual involved. And I think part of the ritual of a wedding is being on our best party dress and our most formal suit and wearing a special pair of 
of heels and getting excited for a special event. And without that, then it's just another party. Whereas the ritual of being a little bit fancier and eating off beautiful dinnerware and being in a beautiful place and a beautiful setting is what elevates the, uh, the event to a wedding. Yeah. In, in the same way that you wouldn't typically order food for 200 people, you wouldn't typically be wearing a gown, you know, or, or whatever it is. So, you know, you wouldn't typically have so many service staff. You wouldn't typically be seeing your great aunt who flew in from Australia, but here we are, you know, it's a really special day and a lot of things happen that day that don't typically happen. And, um, I think it's, it's amazing. I I love special events and, and I think getting ready for a wedding, even if you're a guest, you know, whoever, even for vendors, it has like a feeling about it. You know, there's a vibe that morning in the bride's house with like her girls or her family, or even if she has no one and she just has her hairstylist with her, there's still a vibe, you know, and it feels different. And, and the same for everything, you know, you see it with guests. If you have little ones at your wedding, this is like sometimes the only time that like a flower girl has ever worn a floral crown, which I think everyone should do more often, but you know, that's like the first time that she's like whipping around with like an updo and like her first time wearing like a shiny shoe and and all this stuff. So, you know, I think that like for everyone involved, it, it can be, you know, really fun. I love that. Well, you know, I've been a flower girl five times. (laughs) It's your calling. I've never been a bridesmaid, though. Flower girl. I have never been a flower girl. No? Oh, my goodness. I'm shocked by that. I'm heartbroken. heartbroken. Well, okay. Well, I'm just going to have to renew my valves, and you can be my flower girl. (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready. I'm slightly overqualified, but very, very willing. I love it. Um, Well, speaking sort of about COVID, um, so safe to say that the last full event season, I think, was 2019, sort of. And what would you say was the number one food trend at weddings that year? Um, hmm. You know, I have been accidentally doing micro weddings. I was accidentally doing (laughs) micro weddings in 2019 because I thought they were so chic. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in 2020, they became like the only thing that was allowed. But I... Like whenever you have the option to do this, I love to take things that you would potentially traditionally share and make them a one-off. Okay. So for example, a charcuterie board, um, for example, a wedding cake. I love giving every guest a tiny little wedding cake or like giving everyone their own little charcuterie board or like their own mini bottle of champagne and their own little mini ice bucket. And, you know, that kind of thing I've been doing for a while. while. We were like happily doing it. Yeah. In 2000. 19. Um, and then we were definitely doing it in 2020 when literally everyone was like, so, you know, so scared to touch anything that belonged to anyone else. But yeah, I would say, I would say that maybe like kind of doing more courses and taking things that may traditionally be like a shared, I, you know, Mm -hmm. even like oysters. So like typically with like oysters, you would walk in, there'd be like this huge kind of oyster bar or something. And I, you know, have done kind of like these little individual oyster plates for each person with all the garnishes and that kind of thing. So 
I love doing that. It's, it's more work because you have to like buy 200 of everything, mm. right? you know, like literally 200 <laughs> little boards and then like the tiny little, you know, the tiny little ice bucket and the tiny little Tabasco sauce and, mm. and all the tiny little vessels to put all the gar- all the garnishes. But um, I, I love doing it and we do it all the time. And I think it's worth the work because it's, uh, it's just not something you do kind of every day at home. So, you know, I think it, it leaves like a really lasting impression. Totally. Well, and I think everyone loves, you know, a personal size, anything. Yeah, I think so too. Anything small gets a lot of love and attention. (laughs) Which is why you get a lot of love and attention. (laughs) I'm really small. You're right. (laughs) Um, And obviously you think that that trend will sort of continue as we slowly start being able to have events um, moving forward with more and more people is the continuation of personal sort of micro service. Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, for starters, it doesn't hurt mm-hmm. <laughs> for a second. For, you know, I think that people will re-enter into events with different degrees of comfort, you know, depending on your own personal situation and people around you, like all of that is going to inform how you re-approach attending and hosting events. And, you know, for that reason, I think if you're thinking about your guests and you want them to be comfortable, that you would think, you know, just maybe you're comfortable sharing things, but maybe they're not, you know? And so you always kind of want to lead with what is going to make your guests comfortable. And, you know, I think that it may be a lot to ask to go from doing a 200 person wedding to then a 10 person wedding and then back up mm-hmm. to a 200 person wedding. So I think there may be some in-betweener numbers, you yeah. know, maybe some people who are going to do 200 people are going to do 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, you know, or something other than just shooting right back mm-hmm. up to the 200, not everyone, but some people definitely, like I know some people who are going to do a destination wedding that are now going to do it locally. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of kind of change. And because of that, one thing to kind of think about when you have these smaller numbers is that you can actually do more things because that weird little issue of will this work for 200 people is kind of out of the way. Mm -hmm. So you need less service staff for 50 people than you do for 200. So maybe your previous budget for 200 people didn't allow for the right amount of service staff, but um, maybe your wedding for 50 people will, Mm -hmm. you know, have a budget that allows for that. Or maybe there was some sort of food that you, you know, were dying to have on your menu and it just wasn't going to work well for 200 people. But now all of a sudden your guest count is 50. So maybe you can make it work, you know? So I think that because of that, that's going to open, um, that's going to open more doors. And I don't think that you need to have the same version of your wedding. You know, it's been canceled. It's been rescheduled. It's been, the guest list has (laughs) been moved around. I think that you can change other things in there too. And if you really want something that you can now execute properly because your guest list has dropped, you know, I think everyone should go for it because we've been through enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, speaking from someone who had a tiny wedding, I think being able to interact with each and every guest and be able to provide them an amazing food experience is better than just having a bunch of people at your wedding just for the sake of it. You kind of now have that option to be a little bit more discerning with the guest list and not have to invite people because, you know, they were at your parents' wedding way back in the day. (laughs) Yeah, 
I mean, I will say, and people are usually alarmed by this. So I ask my brides and grooms and, you know, whoever is getting married, brides and brides, grooms and grooms, if they would change anything once the wedding is over. And almost every single person, almost every single couple says they would have invited less people. Mm -hmm. So, and this is after, and they're like, everything was perfect. But if I'm going to be honest, I wish I would have invited less people because I wanted to spend more time with the people that were there. And, you know, now that the whole thing is said and done, I I don't know that I would have felt bad about not inviting this person or, you know, whatever. So if you're planning a wedding, you're thinking about it. I'm just going to tell you that almost all of my couples wish they invited less people. (laughs) I think that's a huge takeaway. (laughs) You use that information however you want. Yeah, I love that. Okay. So when we are able to start opening up our homes again and have sort of intimate little parties and gatherings, what would be the one tip you would give a host to elevate their in-home event? Okay. Well, um, the first thing that you have to do I think is have, okay, I have so many tips actually for this. First, any hard goods that you can set the night before, you should. We even do that. We're prof- like we're professionals and we have a whole team and we even do that. So the night before, if you can set your table and have everything out that's not going to go bad, so like definitely not your ice for your wine, mm-hmm. but anything that you can have out the night before, you should. So that on the day, you only need to focus on, you know, your food and things like that. Like put a playlist together, have your Sonos ready, put all the candles where they need to be, you know, anything that you can do the night before, including setting your table, having your flowers out, you should. And then you want to kind of prepare something that can kind of be at the door, you know, kind of where people walk in, where technically they can serve themselves if you're busy. So that may be, you know, uh, cleaning off your console table or putting a bar cart and having a pre-mixed cocktail with like glasses set out and some sort of, you know, help yourself little snack. So that's if you are like in the middle of baking something amazing or like, you know, you're helping someone with their coat, guests don't come in and then are literally sitting there waiting for you to help them. Mm -hmm. You know, it helps the host and the hostess. Like it helps you because everyone kind of feels taken care of. And also everyone's not just waiting for you. So think about something that, that can be at the ready. Do you Mm -hmm, know what I mean? Like cocktail, like have some people love to help themselves and then, you know, also it frees you up. It's it's your party too, you know? So if someone wants to come and catch up with you, you're not like, oh, everyone's coming in. Hold that thought, hold that thought, hold that mm-hmm. thought, you know? So if guests kind of walk in and, you know, they can kind of put their coat on a hanger that you, you and you can bring the stuff in, like bring in a coat rack, mm-hmm. you know? Like you can do all that so that it's not you running back and forth to your room, putting everyone, you know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing. And another really great tip is, is hire a bartender if you can. Mm-hmm. It's just a few hundred dollars 
And like, it can be 100 or 200, you know, it can be very expensive and it's a really big effect and they can help you clean, you know, so they can be clearing glasses that people kind of leave all over the place. They can make people cocktails. They can pour wine. You know, they, if there's a spill, they can help you with it really quickly. And I think it makes a really big kind of impression. And it's, um, it's not a huge, huge investment. I hope that doesn't come off the wrong way. But if you're kind of spending hundreds of dollars on alcohol and, and garnishes and glasses and, and ice and this and that, you know, I think that you could have, you know, someone even for two or three hours that, that kind of helps with cocktails. And I, I think it makes a really big difference. And I think that people probably think it's much more expensive than it totally. is. I always think back to events where um, the host or hostess has hired someone and it does make a huge difference because you're not looking around seeing half empty glasses and this or that, or in the winter, you know, where am I going to put my coat? Just having a little extra set of hands is so helpful. Yeah. And I think it is really economical. I mean, there's so many places to go to, you know, you can just go on <laughs> Craigslist and find someone for a few hours even. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or you can even ask, like, if you have a favorite restaurant or something, you can, you know, ask some server that has always given you great service. Oh. If like, they would be willing to take a couple hours off if, you know, I, I've, uh, we've pivoted in that way a little bit because we did, um, this holiday gifting event kind of, I mean, we were supposed to do a big holiday event for this like tech company and, you know, of course it didn't happen and we used the budget and and the client was so amazing, but, uh, we used the budget to kind of send all of the, the staff from the, you know, that were going to come to this holiday event and all of their families, we sent them all like dinner and candles and these like beautiful plates. And, you know, my team pulled this whole thing together and uh, we used servers that were meant to serve at the event to kind of take everyone their meals and, you know, explain a little something. And they made little menu cards and recipe cards and, you know, that kind of thing. So especially right now where so much of the hospitality industry is not working Mm -hmm. and not doing what they would typically be doing. It, it can be a way to, you know, give someone something to do on a day that they weren't going to be. I love that. I think that's a great, um, a great tip. I didn't even think to ask a waiter or waitress from a restaurant that you love. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You, you already know they give you great service and you're, you know, typically on a first name (laughs) basis and have that little rapport anyways. And I think that the best help, especially at parties comes from someone that knows you, um, a little bit. But anyways, that's fantastic. Great tip. Thank you. Okay. Well, you know, my son is uh, four. So this summer we planned a little uh, birthday party for his grandmother. And, you know, I said, okay, Rome, we're going to, you know, plan a party. Um, I guess we need cake. And that was just, you know, just banter you have with, uh, he was three at the time. And he's, you know, pulled out his crayon and his piece of paper and started scribbling. And he said, okay, listen, we need music. We need balloons. We need a oh, cake. Oh, wow, higher. Uh-huh. And we need, and he goes, and if we have enough time, then we'll play games. And I go, that is, you're a smart little boy. <laughs> yeah, wow, what a help. I mean, you're all set. Maybe he can come here after and make a list. <laughs> your newest little intern. <laughs> 
Um, but I'm sure that your process is a little bit more intricate than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit more detailed than a, than a four item to do. A little bit more. But, um, but he has, he has the right idea. <laughs> and would you say, so get, your clients obviously come to you for your design. Do you say that you plan the design and the feel of the event first, or do you sort of do food and the elements? Um, first the design, because just purely logistically, we have to go and make it. So I need to kind of have a direction with that so that it can start getting made in the background. Whereas like food, you know, it wouldn't take necessarily eight months to order, I don't know, oysters, the way that it may literally take eight months to like make a ceiling full of crabs, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we just kind of work backwards and like, how long is this going to take? Um, yeah. I love that. And so people can lay eyes on your gorgeous events, let people know how they can get at you start following you. Yeah. I mean, I'm at Melissa Andre on most, on most things. So I think Instagram is a a good one or Pinterest because it's very photo and video heavy. Um, yeah. So I would say those at, at Melissa Andre on those and my website is melissaandre.com. Amazing. And then I love, um, the Madco team Instagram. So I'll be sure to link all that in in the show notes. And do you have any courses coming up? Oh yeah. Um, I do an education of a business development um, program for event professionals and, and for creatives. And I also lecture at NYU. Um, and so, I mean, I love to kind of help other creatives get their, you know, businesses in a great place and, and to also just kind of elevate the entire events industry because anyone can kind of do it. And I don't necessarily think that that's always best for the industry because, you know, there's real, there's real experience required to pull some of these kind of huge feats off. And, you know, I think that that should really be respected. Uh, so that's really what the, the development program is, is about is really, you know, elevating the entire industry and just really helping creatives. It's called MA Insight. And uh, we're relaunching it in the next couple couple of months. So you can follow the Instagram. It's at MA Insiders. I think there might be an underscore in there. I'll link in <laughs> so the show notes. Yeah. Um, one of my team, one of the girls from Madco manages the, manages the account. So she, um, is kind of accepting everyone in there and she'll give you a, a full 411. Um, if you get in on the Instagram, so it's MA underscore insiders, but if you go to melissaandre.com, um, and you go into the consultation section, you can sign up for the wait list and then we will send you an email whenever there's a workshop or anything that you can sign up to. Amazing. And I know sometimes you work with brands. Do you have anything interesting coming up that you can share with us? Oh gosh. I mean, right now, everything is a little bit, is a little bit on pause, but we are working on, um, just some, some elements that we can actually ship to people and that they can enjoy in their own home. So it's a new, a new thing because usually everyone comes to us, but, um, yeah, we've been doing a lot of that. And I think maybe we'll continue in that space after, even after COVID is kind of out of the way, because I think it's, um, it's a lovely offering and I I've loved doing it. And, you know, I think even kind of helping people entertain in their own home even though it's like a different skill set than like the full production mm-hmm. that we would typically do at, at Madco. Um, we definitely 
have some stuff coming out in that space. So, you know, you can have in your own home, whether or not you have, you know, hired Madco team to put on some elaborate event for you. I love that. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're going to wrap it up with a little rapid fire questions. (laughs) Just for fun. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Water or land? Land. Apple or pineapple? Oh, pineapple. Favorite drink? Coffee. <laughs> okay, so I want you to imagine you're in a cafe anywhere in the world, and you hear yeah. clinking of glasses being cleared, people chatting, maybe some music. What city are you in? Mm, I think Italy. Okay, where are you inside or outside? Uh, you know, I love the like interiors and like Positano and, and all. So maybe inside. Okay. Inside looking at some beautiful frescoes, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you drinking? Oh, champagne. And Prosecco. Prosecco. Yes. <laughs> and if you're eating something, what is it? Oh, uh, carbs. <laughs> <laughs> carbs. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and, um, are you with anyone? Yeah, anyone. Gang's all here. Maybe you. <laughs> Amazing. Here we go. Let's plan it. Is this an invitation? Yes, let's do it. 2022. <laughs> yeah, on our way. <laughs> 2022 is going to be the year, I think, for parties. What does your yeah, crystal ball so- tell you about 2022? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think 2022 and I hope, I hope things are really back on and, and popping in a big way. I think they will start a little bit this year, but I'm excited for 2022 because I think that after 2020 and after this weird year, you know, that we're in, people will be ready to party. So if we saw what happened in the previous twenties, roaring twenties, um, I hope, I hope for my, for my industry's sake that we see all of that, but all over again, part two. Amazing. Champagne towers and all. Yep. Absolutely. First and foremost. Love it. Okay. And if you were to pick a food to describe your personality, what would it be? Mm. Oh my God. A wedding cake. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I like all the garnishes. I love all the garnishes. I think that's why. I love it. Fantastic. And is there anything else you wanted to share today? Oh, no. Just everyone listen to more of this podcast. <laughs> I think it's great. And um, that's all. Enjoy yourselves at home and celebrate more and get dressed up. Yes, I agree. We do not get dressed up enough as a society anymore, I think. Right? It's time. It's time. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. I've had such a blast. I feel like I've learned so much. Me too. And there's been some fantastic, fantastic tips that I hope brides slowly starting to Pinterest their dream weddings are taking note. Yeah, <laughs> Totally. Well, let's do it again. See you guys soon. Thank you. Chat soon. Bye.